currently in the New Testament um, working on the life of Christ. So let's start with that. Like, how, how is learning about the life of Christ different from just hearing that there's a Savior who died for you? How's learning about details about his life different? Does it open up things for you? Does it give you more understanding? Does it make it more real that there was a man who walked on this earth that was brutally beaten and died on a cross for you? Does it change your view of that? Where are you on that? So I would like to speak first if nobody else wants to. Um, Personally, for me, what it did was it let me try to put myself in those shoes. And it made me see just how impossible it is to actually walk how Jesus walked. And the Bible says to try to be like Jesus every day or more like him every day. But that's got to be crazy if you got to live your entire lifetime and you're still not close to how Jesus was in 30 years. Because in the little Bible study we did a couple weeks ago, we went through the crucifixion topic. And you learn about the actual details. It's not just Jesus died on the cross. It's Jesus endured this torture. Jesus endured this pain. And at the end of the day, it was this sacrifice, you know. And when you try to say, like, oh, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, you know, Jesus loves you. Oh, somebody else loves me, too. But then you're like, man, I don't know if I could love somebody to go through that much, you know. Not on a selfish way, but low-key in a selfish way. Yeah, because at the end of the day, it's like a, it's a, what's it called? It's not human to do. Right. That was pretty crazy. Well, and then to know that he lived the first 30 years of his life hiding who he was. And then when he finally started to show himself, he lived the last three and a half years of his life being hated for who he was and persecuted for who he was. So it really kind of puts a different perspective on um, what he actually did for you. I think it does. It, it kind of makes it be like more real and more like, whoa, this was big. You know, we society, the world has made um, Christ and the death of Christ something that's just um, ornamental. We throw Jesus on a picture Mm-hmm. and put them on a wall. We throw them on a cross and hang it around our neck and things like that. And so it's lost its effect because, oh, that's just the picture of the man hanging on the wall. It made me realize that not a lot of people actually appreciate him and see him for what he actually did right. for us. Right. It may, it opens it up more because it becomes more. Yeah. It becomes more... Um, a bigger deal than just hey that's Jesus yeah. you know <clears throat> and I like that I like that it can make it more real that and him being incarnate fully represents change in itself with what you just said you know he lived his first 30 years hiding who he was and then the last three and a half years being who he was and being hated for it, that just goes to show that history repeats itself. In All that, the time. Yeah, and that once we start to change for the better, our friends that 
we say are, you know, ride or dies and whatnot and worldly things or, you know, just kind of sideline things, they see the changes and they start calling us out on it. Mm -hmm. And most of the time it's in a negative light when in reality it's for the better for ourselves and by extension for them too because now we have an understanding or some type of understanding that, hey, you know, well, prayer is working for me so I can start praying over my friend. When they say, hey, you know, I'm going through this, I'm going through that, I don't know what to do. And, you know, being wise, you don't have to say, uh, I'm going to pray for you. You can mental note it in the back and they're covered by your prayer. Right. right. But that's, that's kind of the normal flow of things, right? When people get used to us being a certain way, mm-hmm. they get used to who we are. When we start to change that, it, it kind of ruffles their feathers, you know, because now they don't know what to expect from you. And so they it feels like rejection because they back up sometimes because they're like, whoa, 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 who is this person? But change is hard for everybody. Change is hard for the person going through it, and change is hard for the, for the people around you, you know? And so sometimes everybody just needs to kind of... Um, like uh, get their footing back under them and okay this is the new you I'm cool with it because deep at your core you're still you Mm -hmm. you may change the way you talk in that you don't say curse words anymore you may change um, some of the things that you wear you may change the places you go you may change you know some of the things that you do but at your core you're still you Mm -hmm. and sometimes it just takes people a minute to get used to that See, I think it was the same there. Jesus was Jesus his whole life. But when he started to show himself and let people know who he really was, it shook things up. And that's what people didn't like. But sometimes shaking things up is a good thing. Lets you know who's really in your corner, for one. Who's real and who's just, you know... this in your face you know what I mean mm-hmm. so guys for y'all um, we we are having a discussion night um, but we are uh, using it as content for our podcast so um, if you guys have something to chime in that's fine um, just make sure we keep it very respectful um, of each other and very open we're not going to be argumentative we will be just discussing okay all right, um, so I guess adding to that, how, how does it, how does going through the Old Testament and then transitioning into the, and hearing all about the birth of Christ and that it's coming, then transitioning into the actual action of the birth of Christ, how, did, how does that change your view of things that were happening in Bible times? Or one, did it? I think one thing, and I asked you a couple weeks ago, uh, the name. Because Old Testament doesn't mention that his name is Emmanuel. Right. And then his actual name is Jesus. Right. Once he's born. Uh, and I think that's one or that I've seen lately on TikTok and Instagram that people are saying, oh, you know, Jesus isn't actually God because 
you know, the Bible says his actual name or the actual person is Emmanuel. Um, so I don't know if you want to clarify that for everybody else. That... So Emmanuel, in the Old Testament, people referred to God um, in the sense that they were experiencing him at that point. Um, and so whenever they said his name would be called Emmanuel, Emmanuel means God with us. The literal meaning of that name is God with us. So in, in the Old Testament, and I believe it's Isaiah? Who's, yeah, it says uh, he will be called Emmanuel. Um, what he's saying is that God is going to come and dwell with us. Because mm, we don't know his name's going to be Jesus until the angel comes down and right. says, you're pregnant, and by the way, his name is Jesus. Right. Mm. But God is coming to be with us. Because they used to name people pretty much like off their personality sometimes too, or like sometimes. what they represented or, you know. Right. Names, names in biblical times were very significant. People so, didn't just name somebody something. Yeah. So Shakespeare is actually very right in saying, oh, what's in the name? Mm. Yes. We call Rose. Yes. Yes. Because there's, there's, a, there's a lot in a name. Yes. Right. You don't see that very often anymore. Yeah. People wanted to specifically name their kids, you know, something meaningful outside of, Oh well, so and so that meant a lot to me. It's me. not common anymore. Yeah. No. That kind of puts a new twist on. You know how everybody calls Jesus different things. You hear all the songs. Uh, I don't know the names, but it's like Adonai, uh -huh. something else. El Shaddai. Yeah. yeah. And what all those different meanings had. That that's just how much different things Jesus means to us. You know, because mm -hmm. Jesus means something different to everybody personally right yeah, he, he has the same one goal to everybody Ooh. which is salvation and all that but then you get down to the deeper you know the needy greedy and you come out with these are the names they gave him because that's what they meant to him right well and that's why when you hear the names jehovah jireh jehovah rafa jehovah Sikkanu, when you hear those names they gave they called god those names because jehovah jireh is my provider Mm. I needed a provider at this point. So mm. he is Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Rapha is my healer. I my, my I needed healing. And so he so yeah, they they referred to God and whatever whatever he was doing for them at that point. He's my provider. He's my healer. He's you know, Emmanuel, he's going to be with us. You said exactly what I was going to say, that the name that we give God is the name that we need in that yes. in that process that we're going through. Yes. Because didn't we say change is a curse word? It's process. Process. Process is the bad <laughs> word. Oh. oh, I got to flip. Well, change is probably right up there with it. It's just as bad. But process, man. <laughs> Who me and that word don't you know? I'm in a process now, and I'm like, I'm oh, right there with Lord. You. <laughs> I can't breathe. I'm panicking. But you know, I mean, that's where growth comes from. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't grow if you had a skip button. Exactly. And you can't grow unless you have some type of hurt. That's mm -hmm. true. Hurt causes growth. Mm -hmm. That's very true. Yep. And I I heard this on a different podcast. Um, 
that you're hurt and you're healing is very much like a scab. If you continue to pick at it, that hurt isn't going to heal properly, and it'll leave a scar. Whereas if you just leave it alone, you're most likely not going to get a scar. Well, that's the catch to it. Hurt only causes growth if, if, if we process it correctly. Yes. If we move through it correctly. Yes. You know, if we forgive like we need to forgive. If we do the things that we need to do um, to move through it. Otherwise, it, it just festers and becomes bitterness. Just like a sore. If, you, if a sore gets infected, it festers. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the same thing. If we don't deal with our hurt... Then it starts to fester, yeah. and then we get bitter. When you see angry people, especially in the church, when you see people who are angry all the time and just like, you know, they're not nice, they're funky, they're rude, they're hurt, and they haven't dealt with that hurt. Mm-hmm. Every tough hand was once blistered. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's where that callus comes in. And mm-hmm. I, I lost my callus. Yes. In what met me? In what ways do you need, uh, like, pick that hurt? So, somewhat on purpose, some, sometimes unintentionally, if you don't know what you're hurting from. Like, right now I'm going through a hurt that runs deep in the sense of I need to realize that I am worth so much more. So, if I continue to deny myself that, ooh, tie. Do you want me to do it for you? I I think I got it. Okay. I'll tap in. Okay. If I deny myself the people and my own self, uh, how do I say it? Deny myself accepting that I am worth something, I'm worth more than what I've been told or given, then I am picking up that that scab. Mm -hmm. I'm removing it and letting it bleed all over uh, not just all over myself, but you know, of other people that come and try to help me at that time. Uh, but whereas if I leave it alone and accept, you know, hey, you know, you're doing good, you know, all the the positives of it, I don't know how to say it right. Mm-hmm. Then I'm learning to let it heal properly. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that made any sense. Yeah. 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 Good job. I'm proud of you. It's all the nuggets. I know it. A whole bunch of nuggets. Yep. A lot of years worth of them. Um, Did you get, well, we're, we're only just beginning the New Testament, but did you get more out of the Old Testament than you expected? Yes. In the sense of... Not so much just the curriculum, I guess you could say, but the conversations that branched out of the curriculum. Well, the conversations are important. Yeah. Because it makes us think. I have my notebook here. The first day we did anything, we ended up talking about the conspiracy theory, how the devil took out the dinos. You know, <laughs> right? and that's, and that's why they are extinct. <laughs> and that's not in the... You're not going to find those words in the search for truth, but... It's there if you look for it, you know. Well, but the thing is, if if we allow ourselves to branch out and to talk about those things and to think about those things, then it does cause us to dive deeper into God and into the Word of God because you start looking for the answers to that. 
Yes, and just like last week, uh, I think the scripture, because I didn't note it right, Acts 1 and 1 through 13, uh, I think part of it was, or part of the discussion was, without the Holy Ghost, we can't fully understand God. True. And that's mm-hmm. exactly part of the conversation that I was having with this individual earlier this week, was that you need this to get this. Right. You need point A to get to point B. Right. And so on and so forth. See. I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, and that only comes through, you know, having the Holy Ghost and even accepting that you have it. That's probably one big thing that I've heard from other people as well. It's like they feel like they have it, but they don't know if they have it. Mm -hmm. Um, And they'll even deny, because I think we also discussed uh, tongues being proof to the unbelievers. Yeah, here. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, That we are filled with the Spirit. Right. So, you know, they question that too. It's like, well, if I have this, should I have this? Or does this come with this? You know, how, how does that package come together? Right. So back to what you were saying in the beginning about needing the Holy Ghost to really understand the Word of God. That's part of the transition from old to new, from Old Testament to New Testament. See, they knew who God was in that God was doing these things for him. Hmm. They, knew who, they knew he was Jehovah Jireh because he provided they knew he was Jehovah Rapha because he healed, but they didn't have an understanding of who God was, not really. And so whenever you get to the New Testament and you get to Jesus beginning his ministry, he he's saying, hey, all of those things that you, you think God is and that you know God is, I am him and I'm Jesus. Mm-hmm. So now you got a whole different view of God. Because now he's relatable. Now he he's, you know, he's face to face with you, and he's like, yeah, I'm gonna heal you, and I'm God. It makes it more. It's it's more of an under. Oh, this is who he is. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. So, I I I like that part about it because it's like I like to see the light bulb. As a teacher, it's good. It makes you feel like yes, yeah. <laughs> mission accomplished. Right, right. Very much so. But I know that a lot of times people's perception of the Old Testament and is that it's boring. It's this. It's that. It is far from boring. Oh, there is so goodness. much in the Old Testament that is just like whoa. This one individual that I have almost the same conversation with every time wants to argue that. Because the Bible is one whole thing, Old Testament is just as relevant to New Testament. I'm like, yes and no, just from what I understand and what's been revealed to me. But they want to argue stuff from, like, under the law. Mm. Oh, my goodness. I'm like, dude, if we lived under the law today, would you be able to say that you follow it to the T? No. Nobody would. Yeah. But but God knew that. Mm Mm-hmm. So the whole, God's whole plan to send a savior was because he knew nobody could live up to the law. He knew that. And even today, none of us can fully live up to our own laws today to the fullest extent. And we have thousands, if not tens of thousands of laws. There's a a scripture, uh, I can't quote it verbatim and I will have to find it. But there is a scripture that talks about not creating laws for yourself that you can't live up to. Because we do. A lot of times when people come into the church, especially people who haven't been raised 
in this um, atmosphere. Uh, atmosphere. When they come in, they, they want to put on themselves a whole bunch of, I can't do this, can't do this, can't do this, can't do this. But the Bible says don't do that because you're putting laws on yourself that you can't live up to. Mm. And then setting yourself up for failure. You're setting yourself up for failure. So then now you've got to deal with the guilt of, I messed up. Well, but you messed up according to whose standard, yours or God's? Oh, that's a whole nother discussion that it, I have on a it really, <laughs> Right, it really is. But so for us to think that we're going to live under the law and that we're going to follow the letter of the, um, of the Mosaic law, that's arrogant. That's extremely arrogant and prideful because who are you? They couldn't do it. Who are you? God sent a savior because he knew. Yeah. And Pastor had given me a nugget some years ago that having expectations and expecting godly things to be like a math equation is so harmful to yourself. Yes. Because with the expectation, do you see the end goal? And it seems like a straight line, like whenever you're driving, but as you're going through the process or going through the journey, then you start seeing the potholes, the pitfalls, the little hills and the valleys and mountains. Right. Not and sometimes those mountains, the mountains and hills especially, those cover up the end goal. And that's something where we stumble and fall so hard at. So let me ask a question. Mm -hmm. How many times do we cause our own hurt by creating laws for ourselves that we can't live up to? Probably every time. Right. How many times do we cause shame to come upon ourselves because, man, I set this standard for myself and then I couldn't live up to it. Mm -hmm. And now I'm ashamed of myself. But really and truly, why? You set the standard. See, when we follow after the voice of God and we follow after uh, when when God starts to convict and we follow after God's conviction and his voice, that's easy to live up to. Mm-hmm. So easy. And then, and I'll, and I'll tell you this, even if you mess up, even if God convicts you of something and you do it again, you're not going to feel so bad. You're going to be like, man, I'm, you're going you're gonna to feel bad in that you're going to know I need to repent. But you're not going to beat yourself up. Why? Because God doesn't do that. And we do. Mm. God doesn't beat us. Nope. At the same time, I feel like that's one of the main reasons why people can't stay in the church. Because you have exactly. you have people... Yes. It's okay. It's partly their fault, which I guess you could say it's not if you consider... Um, traditional Christians. Mm-hmm. If you consider traditional Christians, they do have their whole morals. You know, like right. your hair has to look like this. You know, you gotta dress like this. You right. gotta speak this way to some people and not to others. And then whenever you're, they put that on top of, oh, I need to live up to that, and they don't really ask why, then when they start feeling the guilt, the shame, and you're like, you know what, I can't do this. So I'm just not going to do this. And that's a different kind of church hurt because that's a church hurt that 
could have been easily avoided mm -hmm. if somebody just ha hadn't put their own laws onto you. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Mm. Here, here's, listen, my answer to all of it, this is my answer to all of it. What did God say? Mm. What did God say? What did the Bible say? You can make an 80-year-old woman have a heart attack with that question. But mm, because the reality of it is what I think doesn't matter. My opinion is not going to get you to heaven. There's not one righteous. There's not one righteous. So don't seek no validation My opinion is, is not going to, and my opinion on any of those matters is not going to take anyone to heaven. But God's is. Mm. So what does God say? Mm. What does the Bible say? And that's where the whole, you have to have the Holy Spirit to understand, comes into play. Yes. Because yes. you're not going to figure out just sitting there mm. in church. You're going to have to have some kind of conversation, some kind of spiritual growth to get to that point. Yes. Because yes. God has different things for different people. Yes, you he know? does. Gavis you know what? It's hard for us to accept that, though. It is. But that is absolutely true. Because God can have something different for, let's say, Gabby than he does for Christine, right? Yeah, absolutely. But they're, they're going, both going to the same church under the same pastor with the same people. The, the sad truth is most people in their positions would try to grow together and then put each other's rules on each other because we're helping out. But then, boom, you just put your own law on them, and it happens way too much. It's, uh... It does. It's legalism. Yeah. It's it's, it's pretty uh, infectious, too. But what's going to take Gabby to heaven is probably not the same thing that's going to take Christine to heaven. Yep. And no. I'm, I'm sorry. Oh, okay. I just got something real quick. Yeah. Spinning off of that... Oh my goodness, I lost it. <laughs> the, only, the only absolute, and this is how you get to heaven. There's only one absolute, and this is how you get to heaven. Repent, be baptized in Jesus' name, and receive the Holy Ghost. Because that's actually laid out in the That's Bible. actually laid out. After that, you got to live a holy life. Mm -hmm. But what that holy life is, is between you and God. Mm -hmm. Now, Matthew chapter 5 lays out some of that for us. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the mournful. Blessed, the Greek word blessed means made holy. Mm. So you can read that scripture to say made holy is the meek. Made holy because this is what they do. Okay, so those are the only things that are laid out for us in how to, how to make heaven. The rest of it... You gotta, you gotta pray about that. Mm -hmm. Search out, seek your own soul salvation. I got it now. Okay, it just hit me again. Got it. Even in that state, you have to be ready to receive. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I mean, just what two weeks ago now, uh, at a Bible study with Ty and one of my friends, uh, in our dis discussion, you know, stuff came up. And Ty asked me, you know, how deep do you want to go? And jokingly, because, you know, I, d I deflect and whatnot through humor, like, it's, I know it's going to hurt, but I, I'm ready to receive. And we went down so many rabbit holes that hit hard. But this time, I knew I was ready to receive it. Because we've had similar, if not the same, discussions time we and have, time again. Yeah. 
and at those stages of my life, I wasn't ready to receive it. So it was great. It was great nuggets at the time, and I've been able to use those nuggets for others. But this time, this one was for me. Mm. So you have to be ready to receive it as well. You do. You do. And sometimes, even when you're talking to people, it's important to to recognize who they are um, and where they are. See, I've known Megan for a long time. I've watched Megan walk through a lot of hard stuff. And I've been there with her for a lot of it. So I know Megan, okay? So I know that she's not always ready to hear it. And that's okay. There's absolutely nothing wrong with I'm not always ready to hear it. My mom asked me the same question because I'm not always ready to hear it. So I'm always going to ask, how far you want to go? Because if I force feed it to her, it's going to hurt her, not help her. But if she's ready for it, then it's going to help. See, we, we cause a lot of hurt ourselves yeah. in, our, in our own actions and in our own arrogance. Because, you know what, there, there may be a lot of times where you can look at somebody and look at their situation and know the answer. But if they're not ready for it and you force feed it to them, you're going to hurt them, not help them. Even subtly. Even subtly. Sometimes you got to back up and wait. So you know what? What you do, you step back. You love them. You love them no matter what. I have loved Megan from the day I laid eyes on her 11 and a half years ago. Already? Yes. I know. It's been a long time, right? I, and that's what you do. You just love them. I'd Meg, you need anything, I'm here. I tell her that all the time. Mm-hmm. And she knows when she, when she's ready for it, she knows where to go. That's that's our job. That's what we're here for. Yeah. And not even in just, you know, leadership roles or, you know, church roles, but the same can be said for, because we have an understanding of the Bible and whatnot, and we have that vein that probably most of our friends don't, you can apply that to those folks as well. Yeah. Well, and the further you get into this Bible study, and the more we look at Christ and the life of Christ, the more you realize that, yes, he stirred things up, but he loved people. That's what he did. He loved people. Bottom line. Mm -hmm. He loved people. That's what it's about. They're going to know us by our love one to another. So if we can't love each other, if we come in here frowning, this is a whole different topic, but if we come in here frowning and mad at each other, having all kinds of issues amongst ourselves, and somebody walks through the door, I don't want to be part of a mess. Mm-hmm. Do you? No, I don't like it. I'm like, I'm out. <laughs> Can we dig a little deeper in that one? Sure. That, even if, because this was also part of the discussion that I had with uh, an individual. Even if the church is great and whatnot, with what you just said, you know, we come in, even if we have a sour attitude, and somebody sees that that's never been to church, I think the same should be applied whenever we go outside of it. Absolutely. Because Mm. the facade of playing church hurts so much to more people than we realize. That's true. Mm. Because you can check, and the principle that I have for myself is that if I'm having a bad day or bad morning, 
or yeah, day because today's a Wednesday night. I check it at the door and be ready. And it's not a facade. I, I can honestly say it's not a facade. Be mentally ready to dive into discussion, Bible study, and whatnot. Right. And then, not that I check Jesus at the door, but I take him with me and I pick up what I left at the door. Well, that way you can take what you get and apply it to that situation. Yes, in, in that sense, yes. Yeah. Kind of like a be where you are kind of thing? Kind of, yeah. yeah. Whereas so many people, in the discussion that I had was so many people have the facade of, um, you know, we're having a bad morning, so let's rush, everybody be upset and rubbing each other the wrong way, and go to church, fight through it, uh, maybe have a good church service, and go back home the same way that we came. And be even less air, you know, air quote churchy once we leave church anyways. Right. But you know, here's, here's something to, to consider in that even when we, because a lot of times when we don't have the ability to lay that stuff down and we bring it in here with us, it carries over to our connection and our relationship with God. But you know, if I'm mad at you, Gabby, if me and you are fighting, Okay, and we're mad at each other. Well, why would you be ugly to somebody else? You're mad at me, not Christine. So why why snap at her? You see what I'm saying? It's the same principle. Mm. If I'm if we're fighting and we come in here and I'm just like I'm I'm not going to worship. I'm not going to do nothing because she whatever. I'm mad at you, not God. Right? So my my attitude, my um, you know my demeanor, everything towards God shouldn't change. He didn't do me anything; she did. Mm-hmm. I mean, not really. I love Christine, but you know what I'm saying. If y'all are fighting, nobody else did you anything. God didn't do you anything. That's between you two. Now y'all can sit on opposite sides and have church. You know. Because the issue is not with you and everybody or you and God. It's here. Mm-hmm. And most of the time, if you can do that and you can come in here and have church and make that connection, then whatever happened is is done by the time you leave here. Spiritual maturity. Exactly. Yeah. It's a hard thing to come by, though. It really is. It really is. Because we're human, we feel entitled, and we feel like, bless God, I am right. Mm. And so, but you know what? You know what's the first thing you got to do in God? If you want to be successful in God, you know what's the first thing you need to do? Mm. Give up your right to be right. Mm. Mm. You got to give up your right to be right. There's a scripture that says to agree with your adversary quickly. Just go ahead and say, you know what, fine. Apologize and move on. Give up your right to be right. Is that where we get the the phrase, uh, I agree to disagree? Could be. More or less. Yeah. Maybe. I feel like it applies. In some ways, yeah. If all I do is fight to be right about something... I'm not going to have me or many friends. Mm-hmm. And if, I, if I'm if i not friendly, 
I can't win anybody to God. Mm-hmm. Give up the right to be right. It's not an easy thing to do. It takes laying down some ego, laying down some pride, walking mm. away from it. Mm. But I assure you, you'll live a much happier life. Less stress. Less stress. I found that if you have any kind of stress in your life, there's some pride that you don't know about. You know what, John? That's very accurate. Because I could feel like I'm not prideful at all, but if something's stressing me that shouldn't be stressing me, there's part of me that has some kind of self-righteous, I don't deserve this kind of aspect. Right. That's true. And then you got to check that. Yep. That's a good nugget. That is a good nugget. I found that biting this pen helps. (laughs) Makes me think. Makes you think.